beauty business babe. My name is Kelly Callahan. I'm a corporate dropout turned beauty business CEO. I started my journey seven years ago with the last $2,000 in my pocket and a huge vision to succeed. Since then, I've been able to grow my small mobile spray tanning business into a half a million dollar international business. I'm here to share my knowledge so you too can create more income and have more freedom. Because if I can do it, I know that you can do it too, sis. Let's get glowing. Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Beauty Business Babes podcast. My name is Kelly Callahan, and I'm here today with Antonella Colella of Colella Legal Studio. She has been on the podcast before, so you're one of the few people here for the second time. Oh, nice. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So she specializes in helping beauty business entrepreneurs like myself and like you who are listening with legal advice and services such as trademarks and contracts, things like that. Today, we're going to get into a little bit about how to protect your business as a beauty business professional who is hiring people. And then also from the standpoint of an employee, you know, or an independent contractor, what to look for and what forms you're signing, knowing what you're doing, all of that good stuff. So Antonella, before we start, if you could just do a quick introduction about who you are, what you do and all that good stuff, that would be great. Yeah. So um, I've been an attorney for over 13 years now, um, have done, you know, mostly business. I did a little bit of litigation, but I, several years ago, I started representing beauty brands. And when I left the firm I was at last year to start my own firm, I knew I wanted to you know, really only represent the people that I really like to work with, which are beauty brands. And so I have, you know, through the years built a practice um, representing beauty, both service businesses and product businesses. And like you said, Things to protecting your brand with trademarks, um, contracts, online, you know, e-commerce businesses that are in the beauty space as well, and just really protecting your day-to-day business as a beauty business owner. Absolutely. And let me just tell you right now that a lot of us need your help because I think many of us are just kind of going with the flow and not really putting things yeah. in place. <laughs> yeah. So like one of the things that I love is that when I when I have consultations with beauty business owners, they're like, oh my God, like I've only ever talked to like a male lawyer and they never understand my industry and they don't know what, like, they don't understand what I'm talking about. And so um, I love that because that's what it's all about. Like, I, you know, like I get it, I get the industry and you want to talk to somebody that you feel comfortable with. And I also like, I don't like bill for every six minutes, like traditional lawyers. So I, I work a little bit differently. Um, and yes, I mean, there are just things that like, sometimes you say, oh my God, why did you sign that? Or like, I wish you would have shown it to me first. I wish you would have told me about it. And so I'm kind of like on a mission to help people realize that there is some risk out there and you should know what it is um, before you get into it. Absolutely. So from a business standpoint, as a business owner, because most of our listeners are going to be somebody who is a, an entrepreneur themselves, who's like maybe ready to hire an independent contractor or a W2 employee. So in, in your space, what would you tell somebody who is just starting off when it comes to the hiring process? What type of contract should they have in place? So, you know, it again, it depends on if you are going to bring somebody on as an employee or an independent contractor, unless, you know, you absolutely know for sure that you want the person to be an employee, I would just say start 
the person as an independent contractor as a 1099, because it's less kind of burden for you as an employer in terms of paperwork, in terms of taxes. Um, so, you know, in that case, you would need an independent contractor agreement. And then, you know, one of the big things that whether you're the employer or you're the employee is an NDA that has non-competition and non-solicitation. So that is just, even if you don't have anything else with the person, um, the NDA is so important because it's going to protect the intellectual property parts of your business that sometimes you don't think is intellectual property, like your training, your manuals, your techniques, the way you um, apply, you know, your products or, you know, your, your tan, for example. Um, so those are all things that you could protect through a contract, through a non-disclosure agreement so that somebody cannot take it and go somewhere else and do the same thing that you're doing. And, you know, the non-competition is, is, you know, somebody leaving and going somewhere else and using your stuff. And non-solicitation is somebody that is either taking, you know, the same clients that you had as the employer or taking also some of the other employees. So you don't want them to take, you know, your whole staff, for example. And the other thing, you know, some people come to me and say, oh, I need an employment agreement. Mm -hmm. That's like, if you have a W-2 employee. And I always say like, that is very state dependent. So I know in where I am in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, that's where I'm barred. Um, those are at will states, meaning you can hire and fire anybody for any reason, for no reason. So you don't want to have a contract because when you have a contract, you are kind of stuck with that person for the term of the contract. So, you know, especially if you're new, why would you want that? Like you want the ability, it's it's more flexible to not have the employment agreement, in my opinion, because you could get rid of somebody if you, they're not working out. If you have a contract, you have to keep them. So, but you should definitely, you still need that NDA. So that is something that I, everybody should have. There's no question about it. The NDA that protects all of your stuff, all of your t- techniques, all your manuals, um, your client list, your customer lists, your formulas, your product, you know, all of that stuff. And that's also something that, that can be custom. So I will talk to you and say, okay, what is it like, what do you have in your business that is, you know, you really need to protect and you really want to keep kind of um, under wraps. And so I draft the NDA and put, you know, literally custom to your business. These are all the things, like this is a list of everything that needs to be protected. Absolutely. So a lot of people actually don't think about this. I know that when I first hired my very first person, I wasn't thinking about, oh, she might go and like poach our clients or take or try to take our clients or try try to take our formulations or the technique of whatever it is that we're doing and open up a spot like right across the street. And since I've hired my first person, I have been um, so much smarter (laughs) with like contracts and what to do, but I still see even like the most seasoned veterans out there have these issues where, you know, they hire somebody and they're an employee and then they start poaching their clients kind of like slowly. And then eventually they go off and literally across the street, they'll open up their own shop and then, you know, clients are being taken over there. So is that something that is protected? And if so, like, is that a state by state thing or how does that work exactly? So, yeah, so unfortunately it is state by state. So yes, that's something that you could put in the the non-compete. You could say, um, you know, you you could restrict it by, by like mileage. So you could say like, you cannot work at another salon or open another salon within 10 to 15 miles um, for a period of, 
one year, two years after you leave here. So I know that California in particular does not recognize non-competes. They are not valid in California, for example. So if you're in California, um, that's a, an issue. Um, so it is definitely you know state specific. The other thing like I, I kind of want to mention here that may not be so popular with the business owner, but you also have to make sure that what you're putting in there is reasonable. Like you cannot restrict somebody so much that they can't work, you know, in their own city anymore because they've worked for you. So it's like, you have to do it. And also it will never hold up like something like that. If it's so unreasonable, it will never hold up like in a court or before an arbitrator or a mediator, it's just not going to be in your favor. So I try to make them, you know, obviously very reasonable, you know, in terms of geographic area and, you know, I, I wouldn't do it for like more than a year, maybe a year and a half. I feel like two years is a long time especially if that's, you know, they went to school for, for it and they are, that's their business. Um, but again, it's all dependent. It's all dependent on where you are and, and what your business is and, you know, kind of what you are looking to do, um, what your goal is. Yes. So whoever is listening right now, you know, if you're hiring your first person, just to kind of recap, the NDA is something, it's a non-disclosure agreement. And if I can say maybe like in layman's terms, in my understanding, it's basically a protection that will allow the employee from telling anybody else about like what the business assets are, or what, what the proprietary information is. Yes. Or yep. yeah, for that particular. Absolutely. Or it's, or it's also called confidentiality agreement. It's the same thing. Okay. So they're interchangeable. Yeah. And then the non-solicit, I've never heard of this actually. So can you explain okay. that? Yeah. So that is, so you're, you're putting a clause in there and saying um, you are prohibited from taking any of my clients and you're also prohibited from soliciting my other employees to come with you to take my employees away. So that's also, you know, that's also some, you know, kind of like powerful hook you have there um, to stop somebody from, from doing that. Because that happens as well. Right. And is that state by state as well? Or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, the non-solicitation is more, um, I would say it's like more widely recognized. But um, yeah, I mean, all of these things are really, you know, you have to look at at the states and just make sure. Um, Like, for example, I know, you know, California is always different. Like, they always have different laws. Um, The non-solicitation is pretty standard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Would that include somebody who is going on Instagram and maybe following all of the clients that their former employer had or has? Um, no, I mean, that's no, I mean, I think that's a little bit, that's hard to, yeah. I mean, that's, that's hard to stop somebody from doing, um, I mean, unless you mean you'd have to have proof that they were like reaching out to them through DM and saying, hey, I'm opening a new spot. You know, can you, you know, come see me over here now? I mean, that obviously you could like enforce, but no, I mean, you couldn't. I don't think I don't think doesn't sound reasonable to me (laughs) to stop somebody from following somebody on social media. Um, But if you prove that they're like going a step ahead, then yeah, absolutely. Got it. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a lot better because that's not something that I don't, I don't think I've ever really had that particular issue so much. I think it's more of um, people who have taken what they've learned from me, my training programs and started offering training themselves, even if they're uh, in another state. So they'll take what I've taught them, my training program and start teaching people how to, you know, do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, yeah, that's, that should be protected. 
Yeah. So it's been interesting, you know, talking to different lawyers about it and getting different uh, pieces of advice. But overall, you know, I think that the first step that, uh, you know, the first mistake that I made was initially when I went into uh, hiring people and to begin with, I just got like a generic template off of like legal zoom or just something that I Googled. So, you know, after speaking to you and knowing you for a while, I realized like, that's really not the way to do it. If you're being a serious business owner and you're really wanting to protect your business as best as possible. Um, which is why, like, I love talking to you and having you on this platform because I think you can help a lot of people who may have either been in this situation, are in the situation right now, or are maybe going to be in the situation at some point or another. Because I know just from my own um, experience, hiring has been absolutely the most difficult part of my business. And my business is something that I built up from the ground up when I, you know, first started in 2014, was it? So it's really disheartening when you have people you trust, you know, take your yeah. stuff and copyright um, and then use it for their own business. So aside from the things that we talked about for the employer standpoint, is there anything else that you wanted to share that we could do to protect ourselves? Yeah, I mean, just, um, you know, you just mentioned copyright. So if you do have, if you have something in writing, so if you have some kind of a, um, if you do have a training manual, if you do have a course that you have reduced to some kind of a writing, um, you could copyright that as well. So also keep that in mind. So those are things that it's, it's, it's extra, you know, protection for you. Um, copyrights are really, they're, they're not expensive and, you know, you can't really, inf- it's hard to enforce copyright unless you have a um, registration. So, mm-hmm. and that's something it's also dependent on, you know, kind of who wrote the, the writing. And, and so that has to be kind of discussed, but that's, that's one way. And then if you have, you know, the trademark protects your name and your logo. So, you know, that would protect somebody using like a similar name, the same name as yours or a similar logo. Also, you could protect slogans through trademark. So if you have some kind of, you know, a catchphrase or a slogan for your business and somebody's kind of like using it, or even if they're like a word or two off, but it's this, kind of the same thing, you could enforce that if you had, you know, a trademark registration for it. Got it. And you are also able to help our audience with that as well. Yes. Yeah. I have a lot of, um, a lot of trademark clients. Yeah. And that's a lengthy and very tedious process, I will say, (laughs) but it's so worth it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's taking, it's taking a year now. It's like, it's just, it used to take like six months. It's really um, taking a long time, but once you get your application in, you're kind of like in the system. So that's, that's the good part. Right. Yeah. One of my trademarks, my very first trademark that I put in, um, it's still not approved, I guess, or it hasn't went through the whole process in about a year and a half. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then especially if you get office actions, like if you get refusals from the examiner, then it it makes it even longer. So yeah, it's a year if you, if everything is goes smoothly. Um, But yeah, so it is kind of a lengthy, complicated process. Yeah. But still so, so worth it. Hey Sunless Sis, are you a spray tanning artist that is struggling to get more clients, keep your books filled, learn how to do and implement certain things like packages and memberships, how to create more sustainability and confidence and efficiency within your business? girl. I know how hard it can be to be a solopreneur. I have been there before. You don't have to wear all of the hats. I really want to help you elevate to the next level of your business 
head on over to freespraytanmasterclass.com so you can sign up for our 90-minute free spray tan masterclass. I can't wait to see you guys there. So let's talk about um, the woman who is listening right now who is uh, maybe a beauty school student or in empl- she's about to be an employee or she's currently an employee. What are some of the things that they should look for in contracts when they're signing? Yeah, so this is just... This happens all the time and I get, you know, people calling me um, about this issue and it's usually from, you know, like you said, people that are just out of school, they're kind of new to the industry and they're so excited like to work somewhere and, you know, maybe they've always wanted to work at a certain like salon or company and they just kind of sign whatever is in front of them and then it comes back to bite them later. So I had a client that she went to go work for a big chain and she signed a non-compete. It was, it was actually an employment agreement, which I don't agree, you know, shouldn't have signed that. Uh, It was an employment agreement. And then it had um, the non-compete in it. And the non-compete was just so unreasonable. It was unreasonable because this chain has locations all through this particular area. And so any way that you went, like I actually went to a map and I did, I think it was like 10 miles. You're always going to hit one of their locations, like in the oh, entire city of where we were. Yeah. So I said, wow, like they really restricted her. Like, and it was like, for, it was for two years. It was like, she couldn't go anywhere in the entire city. Like she would have had to go in another state or like an hour more away from where she lived. And um, she didn't, like read it correctly, or she didn't think about it. You know, she just was like happy to work there and she signed it. And then she wanted to go on her own after she was there for a while, of course, like, you know, she wasn't using any of their stuff. She said, I, she, you know, that actual, that actual chain, um, they had their own product. So like, she couldn't do the same thing as they were doing because it was different product. It was like a whole different scenario, but that's just one example. And it's just so sad because then you can have lawyers come after you when it's a big chain there, they can spend a lot of money on their lawyers and it really, it makes you feel down. It kind of like discourages you like as a, as a business owner, as a new you know beauty founder. And it's just, it just doesn't have to be like that. If you, even if you don't go to a lawyer, but if you go to just someone who you maybe has some experience, like a coach or a consultant, um, in beauty and kind of just guide you through what, what is it that you're signing and what does it mean for you? Right. And is that something that you would be able to do? So say, for example, like they had this contract, they're not too sure about it. You know, maybe they just don't understand all the lingo because it can be a little bit complicated when you're reading stuff like that. So is that something that you would be able to go over with them or, or what would you recommend for them? Yeah, absolutely. Like I do that all the time. Um, if it's like, I got this set of agreements, can you take a look at it? Um, and I absolutely do that. And then we can go over it and kind of review. Yeah. That's so good to know, because again, you know, when I first started in, um, UV tanning back when I was like 16 or 17, I just signed anything and I just didn't know what was going on. I was like, whatever, I'm glad I got like my $11 an hour or whatever it was back then, plus commission. That's all I really cared about. But I don't know what the logistics of that was. And, you know, I think a lot of us do that where we just read something and then just sign it, hoping for the best. But in this day and age with like so many people like Sue happy, you know, yes. and 
so yes. many little like things that you need to be aware of. It's important to go over every single thing that you sign in from either an employee or an employer standpoint, because I could see how, you know, you would want to be protected on either side as an employer. You don't want people just coming in because I've heard this too in, in Facebook groups. Oh, I'm just going to go to this big chain and I'm going to get trained by them. And then I'm going to quit. And then I'm going to go use that training for my own yeah. self. And I'm just like, that is so wrong, you know? Yeah, I know. So, and like, so another thing that um, I see sometimes in in contracts that are for maybe like a bigger chain or a bigger company so they will give you training for example um but if you leave after a certain period of time you have to pay them back for the training mm. so i see that so it's like you that's also something to look out for if you are an employee or a contractor like what happens if i just leave earlier than my contract says or whatever um and just, you know, also you know, look at the commission structure. How are you getting paid um, on the employer side? Make sure it's something that, you know, works for you and that it's clear um, how much that person is getting. Are they getting, you know, commission on products as well? You know, all of that stuff, you know, kind of has to be set forth and, and understood. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of employers, especially if they're new, they're so hesitant to put these contracts in place because they're desperate for help, you know, and a lot of uh, the questions that I receive from the beauty business based Facebook group is, what is the difference between a 1099 independent contractor or the W2 employee and like, which one should I Higher, And so it's a difficult question for me to answer. Um, I do know slight differences between the two or, or the main differences, I should say, between the two, but it would be smart to consult somebody like you and possibly even like a CPA or something just to kind of see yes. like what your tax would look like, your taxes would look like, what kind of forms you would need and all of this stuff. But like you said earlier, the W-2 employee, I mean, you have to, in California, you have to get like workers comp, you know, I had to get payroll workers comp, like all of these different um, taxes that I had to pay. And it was very expensive to have the W-2 employee, but at the end of the day, at that point in time, that fit my business model the best because I was able to tell them when they can, or when they need to work and what to right. wear and all of that stuff. Whereas the 1099 independent contractor, I couldn't do all of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With the 1099, you don't have the control over them. They can work somewhere else too. So, you know, they're a contractor, they can work wherever, but yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, that they wouldn't be a good, you know, contractor for you, that they wouldn't do good work. And maybe, you know, especially in the beginning, like you might not be ready as a, as a business owner for a, a W-2 employee. So it, it depends. It depends on your situation. Like you said, it's, it, I always tell people like the accountant is just so important to have, like as a business owner, like I text my accountant all the time. Like, can I expense this? Like, what should I do now? When, when can I pay this person? Um, it's just so important. So for, you know, a lawyer is important. An accountant is also super, super important. Absolutely. And if you are struggling with like what to do and, you know, not having maybe enough funds to uh, put that into investing in an employee at this point in time, like Antonella said, you know, going with a 1099 independent contractor, that's what I did in the very, very beginning. And it worked out fine because, you know, I was like, Hey, can you take this appointment? Can you take this appointment? And I would try to group all my appointments up in one like couple of hours. So that way she was just there between this time and this time, and she can go home right after. And that worked out well for us. But at 
another point when I started getting busier, you know, I decided to convert her over to a W-2 employee. So that really helped. But either way, you should definitely have contracts in place. You should know what your rights are as an employee and an employer. And like Antonella said, that's different depending on the state you're in. California, in my opinion, is a little rough on the employers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so just be aware of that. But um, if you guys need help with, you know, maybe seeing what direction you need to go in, what contracts you need to put in place now or in the future, contact Antonella. She'd be happy to help you. Where could they find you at? Yeah. So I, I give free consultations. So, you know, you know, definitely reach out. Um, the website is www.colelalegalstudio.com. My email is Antonella at colelalegalstudio.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there, but yeah, I mean, and, and just also like when it comes to contracts, also think about it like this, you know, contracts are also a reflection of your business, right? So you want to, if you're serious about it and you want to look like a serious business, um, just, you know, have the contracts done the first time, have them right. And this way, you know, you'll have a package, you can have a bundle and you could just, you know, keep using them um, over and over again. Absolutely. Stop treating your business like a hobby. Right. <laughs> That's something that came up for me like this last couple of weeks. I've just been thinking about that so much. Stop treating your business like a hobby and start treating it like a real true like corporation, you know, and exactly. that's kind of where the future of XTAN, my business is going. And um, as we're growing, I'm learning more and more about different contracts that I'm needing and all of these things. So it is a little bit overwhelming, but, you know, learn from my mistakes and don't cut corners when it comes to this legal stuff and contracts, because no matter how trustworthy somebody seems, they could poach your clients. They could take your, you know, trainings and start training other people themselves and break contracts that were set forth by you. So just be mindful of that. And, um, Anytime that you need help, I think another piece of advice that I will give is don't bring it on social media. Like I think a lot of beauty brands tend to lash out on social media about just personal drama or business drama, and it's just really not professional. So take this to Antonella, you can vent to her and she'll be able to help you out. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Any last words, anything else that you could think of that you want to share before we stop this podcast episode? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we covered everything, um, you know, like you, I mean, you are, you know, obviously an amazing businesswoman. Um, but I always hear that, like, the people, the women that get that you need legal, um, the business owners, like they are the successful business owners, the ones that like understand why you need it. So I'm just putting it out there as kind of inspiration. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to get burned, you guys. You really don't. It's just such a headache. So just have everything in place. And like Antonella said, you can use these contracts over and over and over again and maybe slightly tweak it throughout the process. So Antonella, I want to thank you so much for being here again. And if you guys are part of the Beauty Business Babes Facebook group, she's actually in there. So if you guys want to just holler at her over there, that's great. And we'll put her information in the show notes below so you guys can go ahead and check her out. Thank you, Antonella, so much again and I'll see you guys next Hey, beauty business babe. You know it's not fair to keep all of the juicy secrets yourself. If you think that this episode is going to help a friend, a colleague, somebody in your life, please share this episode with them. Aside from that, I would love to see you and connect with you on Instagram. Make sure you screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories. Make sure to tag me at I am underscore Kelly Ann so I can repost it. Thank you so much for sharing your love, your gratitude, and your support with me.